find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. All right, come on in, Megan. Megan, sit. Sit. Show Russell sit. Good Hannah, girl. Why do you have so many... Ah, ah, drop it. Drop it. Poorly behaved ladies with you today? <laughs> well, Russell, I'm a Megan trainer. <laughs> hey, don't, don't be in the house. Located on the edges of your radio static, you've stumbled upon the lost signal, your podcast destination for tales of horror and the macabre, brought to life with voice acting and sound effects. New episodes are released every two weeks on Monday on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Join us, won't you? Welcome to Getting Down and Wordy. I'm Russell Perkle. And I'm Hannah, and I'm also on the podcast. On this podcast, we talk about a popular song and some English language or etymology connected to this song. Etymology and pop music. What song are we going to talk about today? Today, we're talking about Megan Trainer's Made You Look. <laughs> yep. And we're going to talk about uh, delexical verbs. Uh, these are. Yes. These are verbs that end up being kind of multi-purpose. You just kind of use them for whatever, things like uh, make or do or take, whatever. You can uh, <laughs> take a shower, you can uh, take a survey, take a walk, you take over a country. Cleaning. You exactly. can make a face. Exactly. So mm-hmm. they get used for just a ton of different junk, right? And, um, of course, obviously, uh, you could probably guess the delexical verb that we're kind of focusing on here now is make itself, because <laughs> we're looking at made you look, right? It's kind of this question of, like, yeah. you know, you could say, like, she, I don't know, like, uh, engineered a situation in which you couldn't resist but look, right? And yet, instead, we just say that we make someone look. See, now that is an interesting, um, I kind of wanted to address that a little bit, because um, made you look, she, it is, uh, ostensibly, she's engineering a uh, a situation in which you look at her. However, colloquially, made you look is usually indicating, haha, I tricked you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that angle at all, but that's really funny. But this is because it, yeah, you're right. Because it, it, typically, if you said made you look, you would expect whenever the person did look, 
they would be disappointed. <laughs> right. Like a, by, a in this case, Megan Trainer's nude body or whatever. <laughs> really, what a like self-own she accidentally did. Wow. <laughs> and that's so kind of like sad because I looked a little bit into the um the background of the of the song and Megan Trainer is somebody that's kind of advocated for uh fat positivity and body positivity since about I think all about that face came out in 2014. Yeah, I think um, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was like uh, up in front in the body positivity movement, uh, and this particular song was written after she started having uh, issues with her body post pregnancy, um, and her therapist adv- uh, advised her uh, to look at her naked body in the mirror for five minutes and just appreciate it for what it is, and. I don't know, just an accidental self-own is so, it's so insidious <laughs> in that context, right? <laughs> yeah. But, no, I was going to say, like, there's some other lines of the song that, it, it's actually something I really like. It's one of my favorite uh, kinds of humor where the logic doesn't quite work. Like, let me look <laughs> up the lyrics real quick, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Like, she'll say, yes. like, uh, call up your chiropractor just in case your neck break. What and it's heck? like, okay, that? that's not really what chiropractors do. And also, like, I, I love this yeah. idea of, like, making a preliminary, like, appointment <laughs> with you. Like, what do they got to do? Like, be on call? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Listen, there's one. Dr. Lee, I am intending to uh, do several double takes, as it were. <laughs> um, and I need you to be ready for that. Right. He's like, as a <laughs> as a person who may or may not have taken the Hippocratic Oath as a chiropractor, the, the fake doctor, I cannot condone this behavior. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then there's another one. She says, um, I'm about to make a scene, double up that sunscreen. I'm about to turn the heat up. And it seems like she's saying that you'll need the sunscreen for the, the heat, which is not exactly mm-hmm. what sunscreen does. Uh, no, sunscreen just blocks light, a UV light specifically. So it's like uh, it's like a five-year-old's logic of like how things <laughs> work, you know. Do not let Megan Trainer run. Uh, like, I mean, she's expecting her second kid now. Don't let Megan Trainer run like any of the soccer mom taking care of the kids thing. If your kid has heat <laughs> exhaustion, do not slather him in sunscreen. Give Here, drink water. this, kid. <laughs> drink this sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> Better call the lifeguard, because this kid's about to get heat stroke. But Megan, <laughs> no, this is not the sequence of events. <laughs> yeah. And to me, this, this song is almost like a spiritual sequel to our uh, Taylor Swift episode, you know, because like, mm-hmm. they're both kind of like rich bland white pop stars uh mm-hmm. and e- even the topics are a little similar you know with, with um taylor swift we talked about linguistic bleaching the sense of words mm-hmm. slowly losing their kind of strength of meaning over time uh here we're looking at kind of the same thing with the the lexical verbs you know it's like yeah. uh this feeling of like a, a verb make which used to have a very specific meaning of like to construct something mm-hmm. let's say uh now it just means something a lot like do you know yeah which is also a delexical verb in certain circumstances yeah absolutely yes 
Um, um, I I wanted to ask you before we uh, got too far into the weeds. What is your karaoke score on Major Look? Yeah, I go back and forth on do I like this song or not. I, I imagine most people probably feel the same way. It's like it's catchy, but annoying, but <laughs> kind of comfortable in that you feel it's like one one problem i have is like she just of course kind of returns to the same well it's like she mm-hmm. she made a body positivity like pro woman song once it was really successful so she just kind of mm-hmm. keeps making the exact same song you know they sound kind of the same even but that is an I, interesting point uh uh did you see that one of the writers is i don't think we've covered his uh work before but we've certainly heard his work before uh sean douglas uh he uh is a common uh songwriter he does he works with megan trainer and kesha and carly ray jepson and a lot of Dem- demi lovato and um he, like he's just got a whole bunch of people that he's worked with. So it does make sense that this sounds so uh, familiar is uh, um, or maybe overdone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like one thing is with a lot, even with Taylor Swift, who's supposed to be like a singer songwriter, you know, Megan Trainer is too. It's like her, at least her image is that she's writing her songs. She comes from a background of being a songwriter before she was famous herself. You know, she was writing songs for uh, other pop stars. But you, you look at this song, there, there are three writers credited. You know, there, there's her, there's Sean Douglas, as you said, and then uh, uh, Federico, I'm going to say here, Vindver or Vendvir, uh, <laughs> is credited as a lyricist as well, you know, so... Mm-hmm. It is, uh, again, I, I'm always in this, like, super skeptic, like, I full of doubt kind of uh, sense of, like, how much is even really true, even about the postpartum story, you know? It's like, okay, you were uh, Sean Douglas and Federico Vinver just having, like, this, like, uh, <laughs> what is it called? Like, sympathy pregnancy? <laughs> sympathy postpartum? <laughs> they were just so close to Megan Trainor. But... And then, of course, you, you just have so many pop artists, I think, doing the same topic, you know. It's, it's like so much of, of pop music now is uh, woman pop singers doing body positivity, you know. And it's kind of hard seeing guys being on the, like, writing credits for a woman's song about body positivity. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little Although- weird. <laughs> Fun, fun uh, piece of trivia. If I had to pick a dude, uh, guess who Sean Douglas's dad is? Uh, uh, I'm Michael gonna say Keaton. Kirk Douglas. Oh, <laughs> why is it Michael Keaton? <laughs> <laughs> why isn't he Sean Keaton? <laughs> That's a real good question. Actually, That's as soon odd. as you said, as soon as you said Michael <laughs> Douglas, I was like, huh, maybe he should have been. <laughs> Yeah, all this nepotism, man, is again, it's like the again, the like spiritual sequel to the Taylor Swift episode. Yeah. Like I I don't know. We were we were just talking about this stuff too the other day, but like mm-hmm. none of this is cool or fun to, <laughs> to <laughs> research these people and find out, you know, they're just kind of famous because they're rich and successful and in and a you know, lot they're in. of it is Honestly, to be honest, a lot of it is uh, kind of like 
researching royal families in yeah. uh, the early uh, 20th century in Europe because a lot of them are related. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, Megan Trainer, her her f- parents were jewelers, which I, I yeah. guess means that they, I don't think they actually s- f- searched for the jewels. I, I suppose they just mm-hmm. sold rings and things. Which makes, I mean, it does make for, I imagine, an extremely bougie upbringing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think we see this a lot where it's like they have a nice enough lifestyle that they can, you know, hire, um, you know, like vocal mm-hmm. coaches and, and just really support their children. Yeah, like no Megan Trainer yeah. also, she she released like three self-produced albums starting from age 15 up to age 17 okay yeah if you're self-producing at 15 then you you have uh, it's it's an interesting divide because it's not like so rich like elon musk's uh dad owned an emerald mine so it's not like that level it's (laughs) like a couple of steps down where they sell the emeralds where they cut and sell the emeralds that elon musk pays or doesn't pay people to excavate from the earth yeah yeah, it's all the same pipeline, just different <laughs> different <laughs> rungs on it. Yeah, so wild. Rungs on a pipeline. I don't, I don't know. How rungs how are we on, on mixed uh, metaphors? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, um she so she did these self-titled albums, but the kind of the first thing she did uh starting from age 12 was uh her father in addition to being a jewel jeweler, he was the like music uh, leader at their church, oh. and so she kind of got into music here. But then she, her father, her aunt, and her younger brother, they started their own band. So she was twelve years old. They they did a band. It was called Island Fusion. I the name was Island Fusion. <laughs> the name was Island Fusion, and this now, was where a did they grow up. Where was she born? Massachusetts. I, Okay, yeah, that makes that. Um, mm-hmm, yep, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this what kind of music? Well, I won't make you guess, but they were doing like Caribbean music, a, a kind of subset of calypso called soca music in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this white family, this white Methodist family, jewelers in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, and their authentic Caribbean calypso music. Yeah, which it's interesting because you you know you listen to the music she does now. I, I don't hear a lot of calypso Caribbean influence. I wouldn't say. I mean, mm-hmm. I did actually listen to the whole album, and there was like a song or two that wow. had some Caribbean vibes. But mm-hmm. this is not really what she's famous for, you know. Well, I get maybe a Florida vibe. Uh, it's very. <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like the lady Jimmy Buffett in a weird kind of way. <laughs> Wow, yeah. yeah. I think she is. Yeah, I think that'll be her future for sure. She'll be like in Florida with her own restaurants or whatever, you know. I kind of love that for her. And they'll be called uh, Made You Cook. And then (laughs) you got to cook at the table. It's one of those kind of restaurants. One of those kind of dangerous restaurants. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. And of course, Uh, Megan Trainer, as we know, is also married to a spy kid. She is for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will talk about that a little bit. But she's made, I assume he's the spy kid. Yeah. I mean, 
This isn't uh, like some like background character or something. No, 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 no. It was there was the two spy kids. She married the boy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not Steve Buscemi, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, no. It, it wasn't Danny Trejo. <laughs> I get that movie. My wires crossed with a Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which is not a Spy Kids movie. No, Taylor is it the Lautner same guy? Shark Boy. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Okay, yeah. okay. Spy Kids is you get the gif where the glasses. He's like all the lenses keep popping up in front of the other lenses yes. in the glasses. Yes, yeah. it's that guy. Um, yeah, yeah. God, he was he was just. I mean, we're basically the same age. He's thirty one. Um. So, golly, he must have been like twelve when it came out. Yeah. 10? Okay. I don't know. That sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I I assume just like Megan Trainer, his his family probably like self produced his first spy kid (laughs) movies or whatever in his in his room. Antonio Banderas is a get for a self produced movie. (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Puss in Boots, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Pre Puss in Boots, Puss in Boots. It is. Yeah. I mean, that's probably where he. That's probably what made him famous. You know, first he did Spy Kids. And there then they're like, is. oh, this Antonio Banderas guy, he's really got something. We should make him yeah. a little kitten. I don't know what it is, but he's got it. <laughs> um, um, Megan oh, Trainor herself, wanna... yes. probably the least interesting fact, but she was actually in like a Smurfs movie. She was in um, Smurfs, uh, The Lost Village, which I, I have not, I didn't even know they made that. I don't know, is that the second or third or what? I think it's. This, I know that I've seen it because um, I thought that it was very silly. Because <laughs> you're you're a Smurfs completist. You've seen all of the Smurfs movies I've and cartoons. Not seen any of the other Smurfs? That's the only Smurfs I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it's good that they at least added another woman character. Because I mean, Smurfs cartoon famously had like one woman. Oh yeah, and the then Lost later Village, they the whole conceit is that the lost village is where the all the girl smurfs went oh that's hilarious so they finally <laughs> found them <laughs> yeah yeah there's not just one smurfette there's a whole bunch of smurfettes <laughs> great mm-hmm. i the i have a big question from this song i think is oh. that like how many people have gucci and what was the other one she talks about? She just like mentions Versace? Louis Vuitton. And then yeah. I think she mentions a third one somewhere else. Versace and dress. Versace, yeah. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really that fashion conscious. And I don't know, is this like something that's like absurdly expensive that only rich you know celebrities have or is this actually like a pretty normal thing like I'm, my question is like the rest of the song is intended to be so relatable the sense of like yeah oh, okay i'm you know I'm, I'm a mother now i'm 30 something but i'm still hot you know so it's like mm-hmm. you you're she's in theory making a song that you can identify with not you personally i just mean well flexing. whoever yeah know. like she's still hardcore flexing on all her brands yeah, but maybe maybe people do have these things. I don't know. I I mean, I used to work at a mall that sold a lot of Gucci. I didn't sell any Versace. It wasn't that kind of mall. And was there anyone uh, buying the Gucci or it was just kind of there? 
Mostly window shoppers, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think they had some Louis Vuitton as well, but I never saw anybody like wearing it. Uh, granted, I worked at Things Remembered, so the most of the people that walked into Things Remembered were wearing knockoffs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I think it's probably they, they look at the real Gucci and like choose what they want. Then they go to like wish.com and get like a $1 <laughs> version, you know? It's a wish.com of Gucci. Yeah, I, I I don't find women attractive, but I'm sure hoodies and hair hair up and messy bed hair, like that's exactly as attractive as Gucci. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing. Of course that's a whole complicated uh concept. But of course I, I think even though of course even male rappers rap about these things a lot, I I think for most men, they don't really, it has no effect on their like estimate of how attractive a woman is, like what brand mm. she's wearing. I think. Maybe it does make a difference. I don't know. So why would that have made you look? <laughs> Again, she got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to know something funny about Megan Trainer? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know what day she got engaged to uh, her spy kid? Her birthday. Uh, do what? Uh, her birthday? Her birthday. Yeah. Wow. You know what day that she got married to her spy kid? I'm going to say birthday. also her birthday. <laughs> also her birthday. So you think like uh, the spy kid, the spy boy, he's just one of these like <laughs> over the top gift givers? Maybe that's very possible. Or maybe she just really wanted a birthday wedding. It counts it's as a-, a birthday cake and a wedding cake. Yeah, but then you're like, whereas you would have normally had, you know, two presents. You get the anniversary present one day of the year and then the birthday present another day. She's really kind of stuck herself with just the one combination gift, you know? Yeah, but and at the same time, it kind of makes the anniversary either all about you or it makes the birthday all about the couple, which is That's a really great point. Yeah. Yeah, you got to sell either you got to celebrate somebody else on your uh birthday or you got to have this like very youth centric anniversary yeah. both are really you strange, either yeah. share your birthday or you ruin somebody else's anniversary for the rest of your time together yeah it must be tough yeah mm-hmm. i mean i think she should definitely make a song about it to clear it all up <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part is her birthday is December 26, 20, 22nd, sorry. Really? So wow. She's so it's already getting Christmas jumped in with well. all the Christmas presents. Man, so she's really doing everything like this one this one part of the year. It's it's like she's like mm-hmm. she's essentially has a Hallmark movie of a life, you know, where like <laughs> everything interesting happens to her in the week leading up to Christmas, you know. <laughs> That would not surprise me in the least. I think that Hallmark movies are as good as a as good a thing as anything to just base your whole life philosophy around, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Leave your corporate job uh one month of the year. Uh you can go back eleven months of the year, but for one month of the year, leave your corporate job, go back to your hometown, marry a spy kid. Or fall in love with a spy kid, and then next year come back and get engaged to the spy kid, and then next year come back and get married to the spy kid. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's efficient is what it is. You can be business all the rest of the year. <laughs> do you think, do you find Megan Trainer relatable? 
Like, do you think she's um, like a down to earth, like normal person? So I did not like her at when I first heard all about the base, which is um, was disappointing to me because it was a very um, catchy song. <laughs> Uh, but, um, at the time she was, uh, praised for being like a feminist icon to which, uh, she responded, oh, I'm not one of those feminists. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of years later, she retracted that, that I, I, I saw that in the research that she retracted that a little bit later saying that, um, you know, she was, uh, influenced. It was her first taste with fame. She was being influenced by her mother who said, uh, the feminists are the ones that are saying that they hate you, so don't stick your uh, stick to any ideology or whatever. So she was being misled on a couple of different fronts, and uh, she learned and she grew from it. So I'm trying to come around on her. But again, a lot of this music is just very, it feels superficial, and it just, I want her to be happy, sure, and everything. But, uh, you know, I don't have any kind of affection toward her. Or Yeah, yeah. And of course, lots of people have made this criticism when you when it comes to feminism. You know, we have we have here from her a lot of songs where it she's really tying self worth to you know how attractive she can be to a man. You know? Yeah, yeah. Which, Which is, I mean, I, I guess this is a, a departure from that because apparently men don't find Gucci very attractive, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of her early, uh, her earlier music is all about, hey, it doesn't matter if I'm fat, my guy likes it that I'm fat, which, okay, <laughs> good for you guys, but that's not the reason that you should feel good about yourself. I don't know. It, it, it's like, she's, she's not, it, it isn't as if she, you know, she isn't, this is a weird topic to try to wade into, but she's a pretty normal sized person. You know, this is the other kind of. Yeah. Thing where you're like, uh, I don't know if you're the spokesman. Like the average American woman's what, a size 13 or 14? <laughs> like she's uh exactly average. It looks yeah. like She's like in pretty good shape actually, yeah. you know. It's, it's a little weird. But anyways, like I say, I I kind of feel both ways. I Again, like many things, this song is just a song that stuck with me enough that it was still in my mind whenever I was thinking about things to do a podcast about oh, so it's, did it make you think <laughs> yeah it made me made me think i to make a weird past tense of think <laughs> yeah so I, I think it's okay i think it's honestly maybe it's her best song it's like a, kind of the catchiest one but Ooh. still i wouldn't really say it's a great song you know yeah so for karaoke, I'd I'd say if all of my other options have been exhausted already and I was drunk. So you would do it, but it's you you wouldn't choose to do the song, in other words. I would do it poorly and I would probably do it with a satirical bent. Right. I mean, so you know, talking about practicality and such, it's like doesn't seem to be that difficult. It's not like right. it's really fast or anything. So he's got that, you know. It's nothing yeah. like problematic in the song that you have to try to wait around so it's got that right. you know so it's not like it's a one or a zero or something but i don't think yeah. i would i would be clamoring to sing this song in karaoke either and i don't it's it's got a crowd factor but it's like 
the whole song is like this just feels like it's pandering trying to be a meme trying to be viral in a way that even in a karaoke setting i think people would probably act enthusiastic about it but i don't think they would really be you know yeah it's so generic it's like a filler song yeah which is why it's being uh it's so popular on tiktok right now to me everything's popular on tiktok i feel like this is like such a low bar i've come to realize you know uh yeah yeah tiktok (laughs) is 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 a wide and uh I don't know. I say this having no TikTok experience. Yeah, it's true. We're not popular on TikTok. So what does that say about us? (laughs) We become aware of trends. We're worse than Made You Look by Megan (laughs) Trainer. So, uh, talking about the word make itself. Oh, I guess so. Karaoke as a score score. I don't know. Like, it's not terrible. It's nothing wrong with it. I, again, I kind of think oftentimes people are a little too harsh. When it comes to judging music, I think it's fine. I actually think it's pretty good as a song. I And I think it would be fine to sing it. It's a nice, approachable song. No pressure, really. So I would even probably go like a 3.5 on this. And honestly, in maybe 20 years when she ascends the Buffett throne, um, it's probably going to be like, ah, oh, this is one of her early songs. I'll enjoy. I'll sing this at the karaoke at this uh, at this Megan Trainer karaoke. Yeah, the way that you do a, a Jimmy Buffett songs. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's true. It is kind of sad that we go from like songs about cheeseburgers to songs about Gucci and Versace, but yeah, I that's, do. That's I will the times say we're living in. I absolutely love the line fourteen carrot cake. <laughs> That's Do like you? my favorite pun ever. Well, no, not ever, but it's a good one. It's up there. Uh, I didn't even register the pun aspect of it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's yeah, pretty good. Not bad. <laughs> it totally flew over my head. Okay. So, uh, talking about make itself and, and made you look, uh, this is an old English word essentially coming to us from uh, German, the Germanic uh pretty consistent form throughout even if you look it up in german now you know it's something like a mock yeah something mm-hmm. along those lines um and the original meaning here was something like just to construct or to you know let's say bring something into uh existence to create or produce something mm. um interestingly and a lot of the yeah, and this was around uh, 825 in Old English that we had this uh, sense of it here. It, why, why do we have like a make and a do, uh, which mean roughly the same thing when, when most languages tend to have just kind of one word? I mean, obviously, you could count probably almost endlessly. You could say, okay, there's make, there's do, there's perform, there's create, there's construct, there's produce, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But generally, a language will have one kind of main essential verb that does this job that do and make do, which is just to be kind of your general purpose, mm-hmm. do an action, perform something. You know, yeah. if you need to ask a question like, what are you doing? You need a verb here like doing, which just means What's the action that's happening now, you know? 
which sort of uh, opens the door. I've heard this about Japanese, but I'm not fluent in it. Um, I've heard that there are, uh, and it's something that I can appreciate in English, having fluency in English, is uh, that there are certain verbs that convey more or different emotions or, or intent. And I do feel like that's, that sort of um, subtext is very evident in the difference between make and do. And, and the difference in make versus do, you think? Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, well, it's funny because we still tend to have this idea like make usually means constructing in some kind of way and most of its mm-hmm. you know uses and do usually means perform in some kind of way but of course you can make a bed and you're essentially just kind of arranging the bed you're not creating Doing laundry anything there Doing sure the bed more or less uh, yeah. make a mistake or, or make a noise or make a friend you know these things where you're not really creating in these contexts you know so no but you can't they really get mixed essentially randomly you know yeah there's not there doesn't seem to be a whole like a through line very much it's a uh in english it's one of the things that's that i hate love about it is it's so it's very very hodgepodge (laughs) yeah Uh, i mean i I suspect most languages are you know really you would think you would think (laughs) it's very evident for uh natural english speakers because we're natural english speakers i'm sure it would be just as evident in german if we were fluent in german yeah yeah uh, so we, we had this very early meaning of like to create something. And interestingly, what seems to be kind of the second very divergent and very early meaning was like to behave or act in some mm-hmm. way, uh, which, you know, you don't really associate make with this so much now. Uh, but we do still see this a little bit like like, let's say like, uh he made like he was going to leave, but then he actually just hid behind the door and waited or something <laughs> like that. Or he made like he was trying to help us carry the box, but actually he was just, he just had his hands on it. He wasn't really... More trickery with the make. Right. So so we get make meaning like to, to perform an act in some way, almost like to pretend in, in some way, right? Yeah. Uh, so this came from an original meaning something like a behavior. And I, w- I would suspect, I would kind of, I, I don't know, conjecture, you know, in uh, England and English history generally, I, I think these kinds of theatrical performances have always been like a, a big part of the literary history of the culture, mm-hmm. you know. And so you end up from a very early time having the sense of like, making a play is in making a performance you know making a show let's say and you come from a, a meaning that something like create to get to this you know because you're making a show making something people are going to watch and then but then this this meaning kind of slides into meaning something more like the performing itself which is more like the do territory you know right and so then you have this like weird uh overlap between you know to make to construct something and to do to perform something yeah yeah and it does um uh so make as a dialectical verb is uh, generally used in situations of either talking and communication or also in plans 
And you get that in a lot of these delexical verbs, like give, uh, uh, give a shout, give a, a laugh, or um, ba, 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 to do, give have, advice. have a conversation, sure. give advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, make a suggestion. So a lot of these are um, very uh, synony- synonymous with one another. It's just the uh, sentence, the structure of the sentence that you're trying to work these um, intentions into, as well as the subtext of that. To make a suggestion or to give advice, uh, both roughly mean the same thing, but they completely mean two emotional differently, uh, two emotionally different situations. Hmm. Make a suggestion, give advice. Hmm. Can I give you a suggestion? You can I think I, I think you can hear, can I give you a suggestion too? See, I'm in the camp of, we have these feelings like there's like connotation, like shades of meaning differences. But I think, I don't think they're really there. I, I think this mm-hmm. is us just like, you know, it's like seeing... uh faces in a pattern you know seeing jesus's face on the toast or whatever we we tend to like try to ascribe meaning dare you doubt toast jesus <laughs> okay i'm sorry i forgot that's your 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 Our official jesus religion is the one true pasta god <laughs> it's so fitting because he is the god that's made of bread so it, it makes a lot body. of sense yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um man that that Totally derailed my train of thought. But Sorry. anyways, I was saying, like, we tend to look for patterns. We tend to make patterns where they don't exist. And I think this happens with mm-hmm. a lot of our language as well, where we try to say this means this, whereas probably there's a lot of variation in, in what it can mean, given the context and the speaker. Okay. And so on. But before we dive really deep into this collection of different delexical verbs, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that is let's let uh make be the star a little bit longer and so of <laughs> course megan trainer uh famously married to the spy kid i say that as if i did not just learn that <laughs> <laughs> this week <laughs> uh spy kids a movie in which they do say the word make actually you know do they really <laughs> yeah they do can you believe it i mean the connections here it's almost like, like the- you wonder was she inspired by spy kids Man, to, they were just meant to be somehow subconsciously yeah yeah exactly they were made for each other some might ah, that's a, oh man i can't believe i missed that so this uh this could be a really boring game probably will be but i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna ask you what are they making you know what are, they, what are the spy kids making uh so i'm gonna give you part of a quote and i just want you to fill in what's the thing that they're gonna make all right, I can't wait. So I haven't first seen of all, this movie in like twenty years. I've never seen this movie in my life. What? <laughs> yeah, Danny I I think Trejo. I was too old. <laughs> oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. I was the exact right age. I only know it from the memes, you know. <laughs> well, all right. At so, this point, we're on the same level because I remember <laughs> very very little. Also, I'm I'm gonna check who are the. Uh, characters in Spy Kids real quick because uh, I, I'm not quite sure if I... Oh, there were two movies. There are three movies. There were four or five. There are four <laughs> movies and there's one more to be announced. Hopefully they're getting new actors for the Oh my one. god, is it going to be Spy Grandpa? 
spy parents. <laughs> that could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, spy parents. I, I bet that's going to be a, yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, okay, that's their that's their real name. So I have names for who quoted it as well, as if that really yes. helps you determine okay. anything. Okay. All right, so Gregorio Cortez says, we're going to make a uh, blank. Okay, I think this was at the wedding. Uh, they're going to make a run for it. The spy kids get married? <laughs> oh, Gregorio what? Cortez, isn't that like the dad? Is that know. Antonio Banderas? That makes sense, sure. Uh, but you're incorrect. They, they're going to make a great team. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, next one. Ingrid Cortez says this. So is that the spy mom? Uh, yes, yeah, spy mom is Ingrid. I'm making you blank. You're not leaving this house until you blank. I'm making you pancakes. You are not uh, leaving this house until you eat. Yeah, you actually basically got it. I'm making you ah! breakfast. It's oh, unspecified oh. what is the breakfast. Maybe, maybe it was pancakes. I don't know. I assume pancakes. It's always pancakes. Right. Carmen Cortez says, if you're going to Sister be a spy, spy kid, she is the what? Is she the spy woman? The spy girl? She's the spy sister. Okay, spy sister. Gotcha. Uh, if you're going to be a spy kid, you've got to learn how to make blank. Make a scene. Make what? Tea? Make a scene. Oh, make a scene. Oh, or like maybe make a martini like, like James oh, Bond. Uh, Did they drink? Spy Sister was like 14, so probably not. Oh, that's good. Uh, no, but they have to, you have to, in order to be a spy kid, you have to know how to make gadgets, it turns out. Oh, yes. Awesome. Danny Trejo scene. I love it. Uh, Fegan Floop. Is this the Buscemi? <laughs> I forgot that was his name. <laughs> it's gotta be. What a, what a uh, feat to give a Steve Buscemi an even greater well, name pre- in your movie than his real I, name. I think that was Good pre- job. Steve Buscemi, because Steve Buscemi was in the second one. Oh, was he? Oh, okay. So who was the? Yeah, he was the bad guy in the first movie. I'm I'm about to Google this flip. Oh, it's that guy. I, I don't know yeah. this guy's name, but uh, let's see. That familiar, guy though, is. Right? Yeah, he's definitely been in a lot. Oh, Alan Cumming. Okay, yeah. Mm. I forget and what else he's in, but this is not a celebrity podcast, so. <laughs> I tr- he. Had, I try. To- uh, Weren't all of his um, his sidekicks? Weren't they all like thumb people? Like people? I didn't just... see this movie. Oh, right. Sorry. Are you talking to the listener now? Maybe <laughs> listener. A... Do you remember? <laughs> Talk to me. I can't hear you. Speak louder. <laughs> yeah. Send. Use your gadgets to send messages to us, <laughs> listeners. All right. So Fegan Floop says, "I am making blank history." <laughs> That's a good guess. He's actually making an army of what? Oh, thumb people. Of some people? Oh, that makes sense. Most oh, thumb people. Oh, yeah. Sure. So to feet and arms and heads are all thumbs. To fight in the thumb war, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, he's actually making an army of super kids. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Oh. He get way too excited about this. I can't oh. believe you made me blank. <laughs> Who is this? 
uh, Gregorio Cortez. I can't believe you made me look. <laughs> right? You would hope so, but no. <laughs> I can't believe you made me miss my only daughter's birthday. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, Spy family. I think you win. Super wholesome. You won the game. I, I think. got one correct, I think. You and got it was one. barely correct. Only on a technicality. Yeah. The yeah, only that, reason that's... I won is that nobody was playing against me. <laughs> True. Yeah, you technically had the most correct answers. <laughs> that's the only contestant. <laughs> so, uh, make, have, take, give, go, do. These are the most common. And I, I would put get on this list, too. I don't know. Did you get anything mm. for get? But to me, I think get is the almost like the biggest offender. But to such an extent, it probably deserves its own special treatment, you know? Yeah. That's. I mean, I think that it. it um, a lot of the situations that I would uh, argue get is a delexical verb. I would use. I say um, you could use go in identical situations, like get Not away, exactly. go away. Not exactly. You could say uh, it is getting dark outside. Oh. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So notice again with this this phrasing getting dark. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. are if you were to define get like uh, absent of any uh, of the research that we've done here, if someone just asked you what does get mean or what's a synonym for get? What's the what would come to mind to say to them? I would say that you are either receiving something or uh, procuring something. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And obviously, so, a phrase like get dark, you know, we're not receiving the dark and neither are we procuring darkness, right? I I mean, somebody could be procuring darkness. It's a very, um, it's a very optimistic way of looking at it, I would say. It's a very kind of like a personifying way to look, almost like there's like <laughs> little spirits, you know, yeah, moving oh. the gears of reality, which is pretty cool, but... Oh, I bet there's a Miyazaki short film about getting procuring darkness. A Miyazaki short film or a long film? Why does that have to be short? About like oh. the like grammar spirits, you know, that like oh. make our sentences true or whatever. Ross, that's the cutest idea I've ever heard. I want that. <laughs> it will definitely bomb. <laughs> it will watch this. <laughs> the magical world of grammar. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds lovely and soothing. <laughs> so these verbs, uh, in the way that they kind of lose their essential meaning and tend to mean whatever, uh, these are called delexical verbs. Uh, mm. So... Uh, lexical in this case, of course, just means like the vocabulary, the meaning of a word, right? So, delexical means essentially the the meaning has been pulled out, or the meaning has been moved over to uh, the noun, right? So the the meaning is taken out of the verb and put into the noun, right? And it's a good example. Uh, we were talking a couple weeks ago about um, uh, semantic bleaching, and this is a, yeah. a, a sort of nice. I say nice, a sort of interesting uh, way to look at it because it's also um, the product of um, a process called semantic weakening, mm-hmm. um, which is just like when things stop being uh, like, it's very, very similar to linguistic bleaching. Things just stop holding as much meaning as they did in the initial, um, when they, as they did initially. 
Um, yeah, and I in my do... research, like, they essentially, these words mean probably about the same thing. Uh, maybe there's some difference in degree, but some people say semantic uh, weakening. Some people say semantic loss, semantic reduction, desemanticization. Uh, I think desemanticization probably more than the others has a little bit of a specified meaning, which is like mm-hmm. uh, when the ver when the word almost becomes kind of grammatical, which is almost happening here in a way. It's like the verb's yeah. only only job is to link you to the object, you know. Mm-hmm. And this Russell is um, the point in the podcast where I want to put a dead stop and uh, petition uh, introduce. A linguistic petition, if you will. Um, There is, walking amongst us, what I would consider a delexical adjective. And that is the word much. Russ, have you ever heard somebody say, thank you much? (laughs) It drives me up a wall. It drives me up a wall. You've mentioned it. Does it does not yeah. make sense without a modifying adjective. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I just, I cannot, I, I am putting my foot down right now. I think that we should all get behind me and refuse to say thank you much anymore. Much is a delexical adjective. It needs a modifying I wonder, verb. A modifying I wonder adjective. why. I mean, does it bother you if people say, like, many thanks? Uh, no. It does not, because Why not? Uh, thanks is a quantifiable uh, thing. You can have is a it? number of them, and many of I them... I received three thanks? I have five thanks? Yeah. I've never heard anyone say this. Well, hmm, that's How many thanks? How many thanks did you get? Oh, about ten. <laughs> I don't think well, it's countable. Uh, well, how many... Uh, 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 I would say... My sister had a uh, an open house after her uh, after her high school graduation, and had to send out uh, three hundred and fifty thanks. Thank you cards, sure, yeah. or thank uh, yous, even. Mm. Hmm. And I think in this yeah. case, we're arguing about the um, how strong a noun is thanks. Is thanks. I think we're just arguing about like how changeable how fluid how much fluidity how much like inconsistency Mm -hmm. and change is okay in a language you know and And i I think it's a good point the word much like this is um, your line in the sand this is my line in the sand (laughs) everybody has a line in the sand i've seen really stupid lines in the sand and this might be a stupid line in the sand but it's mine (laughs) much needs a modifying adjective if you could say thank you very much I don't see why you couldn't say thank you much. Because, like, why is there nothing else? You can't say thank you enormously much. You can't say <laughs> thank you a little much. Right? <laughs> so, in in a way, this one word very isn't really doing much in the first place in this expression. It's not doing much? It's not. It's not doing very much, that's for sure. And it's not even <laughs> doing much. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could take okay. it, take if it you out. You said that you had a lot to do. Do you have much to do? So much about to nothing, do? perhaps. <laughs> um, 
How about thank you very? Does this bother you more or less? Oh, than thank that, you much? that gets under my skin. I will Way assume more? that you for yeah. I'll assume that you like <laughs> just got distracted mid sentence and your brain just wandered off. You're like waiting for them to finish their sentence, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if they start on another sentence, I, it will bother me until the end of the day. I like the idea of just going like, thank you very much. Like, just kind of give them that little suspense, because then it's like you're giving them extra time. It's almost like a gesture, you know, at that point. Yeah, like, appreciate the very. It didn't have to come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, much is like an example of, I would say, linguistic bleaching or, or, um, you know, some kind of semantic weakening. Because just like a word like very, as we talked about in the Taylor Swift episode... Mm -hmm. Uh, just like a word like many as well, you can see many and much get used in kind of both ways. And I think that's kind of what's happening here where we have, let's take um, many because it's a little bit more used in both ways still. So, for instance, I have many friends. This means, of course, you have a, a large number of friends. Yes. A lot. But if you, say, if you say how many friends do you have? In this case, the word many does not carry any meaning like it's a large amount. You're just saying what amount, right? Mm. Huh, interesting. And the same with much, of course. When you say like uh, he doesn't have much money, you're saying he doesn't have a large amount of money. Uh, But if you say how much money do you have, again, you've lost, you've you've bleached it, so to speak, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So then in Uh, this like, thank you very much, we feel like we need the very there in order to make it clear that it's a large quantity, whereas thank you much feels like it's an unspecified quantity, which is just silly, right? Okay. You know what? So it's like, it's like we're in the process of seeing much get bleached further. I will definitely, yes, I will definitely agree with that. And maybe it's coming for uh, he has mu- he doesn't have much money uh, or he doesn't or whatever that is. Uh, it'll be coming for the next one next. But uh, <laughs> moment, yeah, you could be next. What if your you name gets what if your name gets semantically weakened? What then? <laughs> <laughs> what then you you'll be like they came for semantically from- <laughs> weak name. <laughs> they came for my adverb and I said nothing. <laughs> then they came for my name. <laughs> and I had no identity left to speak with or something. I did I, I did think it was very interesting that uh delexical verbs have so many like synonyms. Like I think linguists are the nerdiest people. Uh for very, very many reasons. I don't know that you need six synonyms for Dyslexical verbs. I've got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they're also known as vector verbs, exp- yeah. uh, explicator verbs, thin verbs, empty verbs, light verbs, and semantically weak verbs. <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't know that it needs so many synonyms. Yeah, no one can agree. And we saw the same thing with the linguistic bleaching thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's very funny. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose if you're. In a profession where you just like words, you probably have this tendency to make and use too many of them, right? So it's not too surprising. <laughs> Taking uh, language a little bit seriously. Totally. 
So I think I want to just give a few examples of each one. That way, people kind of have an idea of what、mm. we're talking about. Because you know, for me, it's like this is something I think about all the time. So <laughs> for me, it's obvious what dialectical <laughs> verbs are. But、uh, most people, I think, there's this first time really directly thinking about it. So have you can have dinner. You can、um, have a disagreement. Have a holiday.、Uh, have a fight. Have a discussion. Blah blah blah.、Mm -hmm. And in the case、uh, of have,、uh, the sort of circumstances that you'll see it in a lexical context is、uh, in situations of food or drink,、uh, when you're talking、uh, or communicating, washing, resting, and disagreements. And again, I, I really、uh, bristle at that sense of trying to categorize them. Because, for instance, how about have a baby?、Ah. Is this a food? <laughs> well, you can't have your baby and eat it too. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Words to live by.、Uh, take so you can of course take a break.、Uh, you can take a shower.、Uh, you can take care. Take notice. Take a risk, etc. Take a picture. <laughs> take a picture.、Longer. Sure. <laughs> uh, give. You can uh, let's see. Uh, give a smile. Give a speech. Give advice.、Uh, Give and this is a funny one because we use it in a lot of ones that won't sound quite so normal because it's like a special edge case like give a push or、uh, give a look, give a、or、whistle, a give、sandwich. a shout. Yeah, give a knuckle、mm. sandwich. Totally.、Uh, we get make, which we've talked about. You know, make a sound, make a plan, make a choice, make a mistake. Blah blah、mm -hmm. blah.、Uh, go, go swimming, go shopping, go for a ride. Go so, hungry. can you think of any instances where you would use "go" as a dialectical verb without uh, uh, an accompanying ing verb? Go hungry. Oh, good one! Gosh,、sure. you're quick. I'm, I'm, I'm so quick at this. I'm telling you, I'm like the dialectical master. You cannot <laughs> stump me. And finally, <laughs> finally, here do right. So you can do the、mm -hmm. cooking. You can、uh, do the ironing. Do the laundry. Do your homework. Etc.、Mm -hmm. And the rule for this, and you get, I, you're really good at finding the exceptions to the rules. So tell me,、uh, the rule for this one is: do accompanies、uh, ing nouns? Accompanies, I、uh, sure like a like a do. I do、what? the washing. I do、uh, the、sure. cleaning. I do the um. Uh, I do the right. Yeah, I got、like、you. To... I got you. Yeah, yeah. And so, of course, exceptions would be like to do your hair. You know. Oh, you're、right. so good at exceptions. <laughs> you're really your exceptional、homework. at it, etc. <laughs>、uh, and and of course, we we even have an expression worth mentioning. I think because it combines two to make do. Right. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and this, of course, would mean to like,、uh, you know, do something without perhaps what you would like to have, like without quite enough, or do something with you know a difficult amount. So we we had to make do with、um, two potatoes because the rest had、uh, gone bad. So that's all、right. we had for our starch, you know, something like that. Interesting.、Uh, I mean, so I guess the question generally is like, why? How do these come about? You know, I mean, I think. One thing is that it's just kind of easier in your mind to use the same、uh, verb rather than having to think so precisely to figure out what verb exactly you need.、Uh, people point out that it makes it easier to like attach an adjective, attach a description 
to your verb, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can say like, uh, do an excellent job rather than needing to say like, uh, work excellently or something like that, which takes a lot more like mental gymnastics to get out, you know? Right. I think that's a fair point. And it's yeah. like you say with, uh, do the washing or something. We have a lot of situations where we'll take what's already a verb, like wash, and we want to talk about the activity, so we talk about it like a noun, the washing. Well, then what do you do for your verb? Well, you need something that has just a general kind of meaning of act. And so we have these verbs that have kind of gotten enlisted to do this role, you know. They are pulling so much double duty. But more generally, I mean, this is just one example of what's called collocation, which is just over time, you expect to see certain words used together, put together, mm-hmm. right? So, for instance, we can say uh, the Empire State Building is very tall. We can say Mount Everest is very high. We don't tend to say the Empire State Building is high or Mount Everest is tall, a little more with Mount Everest being tall. And there's no real reason for this. This is just what other people have said so many times that it starts to seem like it feels more correct to us. Right. You know? That makes sense to me. And finally, back to uh, linguistic bleaching, just to mention a couple other things. So um, uh, another one we see is great. You know, so great, of course, originally meant something like mm-hmm. big. But now we basically never use it to mean this. Now we just mean like very right. good when we say great. Um, love as well. Originally, in Cynical. the uh, before before the 1800s, love generally meant like a romantic love. Mm-hmm. Uh, only in the 1800s did it start to mean like you could, or did it start to be used for anything that you liked a lot? Like I can love ice cream or something. Oh. Maybe right, so they just lost weren't capable meaning. of such deep feelings because ice cream hadn't been invented. That's probably it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have the refrigeration technology yet. Mm-hmm. And finally, one more very topical one, of course, is this word woke. Oh. Right? Really, uh, a lot of talk about this, really, how it used to have a fairly specific meaning, right? So, so woke meant kind of like aware of and having an understanding of, let's say, the systemic racial injustice in the world or in mm-hmm. United States culture specifically, generally. And now it just kind of means anything that a Republican doesn't like. <laughs> right? But even, <laughs> even putting the conservatives aside, you know, it, it has kind of expanded uh, in, you know, like uh, I would say sincere users as well right so at first i think it was a very racially centered word and now you know it's just generally being aware of any kind of injustice or uh Mm -hmm. disenfranchised group and the way that they're being oppressed you know yeah is but again the awareness counts for woke which i mean makes sense as it it stems from the word awake or um We'll yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, of course, it's like kind of what they're making fun of in that movie, Don't Look Up. It's like the idea of mm-hmm. saying that you're anti woke is <laughs> almost as bad of a self own as yeah. Megan Trainer saying that. 
She, she tricked you. <laughs> she tricked you by making you look. She was hot. <laughs> all right. So that that's all I got. You got anything else for uh, yeah. the lexical verbs you want to say? No, let's uh, on this podcast we don't just talk about lexical verbs and interesting linguistics. If only. <laughs> I got a good idea for a spin-off podcast. <laughs> just talk about lexical verbs each week. <laughs> uh, but we also talk about Eurovision, Russ. Yeah. Eurovision. Eurovision. And the best vision. Week, it is uh it's up there. Um, this week, we uh, went ahead and we uh, examined all five uh, Scandinavian entries for Eurovision 2023. Could you have named the Scandinavian countries before we did this? Um, I could have, yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, again, global politics. It's just that I forgot Denmark. And the reason I <laughs> forgot too. Denmark... Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Denmark. I, f- <laughs> I forgot it after we talked about it. It's not nothing against Denmark. It just doesn't feel like a Scandinavian Scandinavian country to me. I was yeah. surprised a little bit that Sweden is one as well, though. Oh, really? Why is that? I don't know. I just didn't know they were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Scandinavian uh, country blocks uh, uh, is uh, uh, includes Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden. Um, as well as Greenland, but Greenland doesn't uh, really count. It's a property yeah. of Denmark. It's still kind of unclear to me. I mean, I think it's like a lot of this geographical stuff. It's kind of whatever people agree on, you mm-hmm. know? So I don't know, is Greenland like officially, quote unquote, Scandinavian or not? Uh, but I did um, see it included in the list sometimes. Yeah, I believe that it's considered a, a Danish property. I believe, uh, not Danish. Uh, yes, Danish. I believe Denmark actually owns the island of Greenland. Um, oh, wow. Or co-owns it with Canada. Uh, it's it's weird. They don't have, there's not a whole lot of people living in Greenland. Uh, so, so it doesn't it, it's matter. It's not really. So funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not something that we've ever, or they've ever, like, had the need to, other than the rare war where Canada will accidentally invade an island that they don't own, and Denmark will be like, hey, that's ours. And Canada's like, oh, whoops, sorry. Um, but that's like... <laughs> yeah, so they're Canadians, so they say, like, sorry or something. Yeah, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> sorry, about, sorry about that. Uh, let's just get on our boat. It's a boat time we get back. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, my Canadian accent is garbage. Just try to go to the store for some pasta. <laughs> So, Russ, if I were to quiz you knowing absolutely nothing about Scandinavian culture, what would you consider, like, the hallmarks of Scandinavian culture? Okay, so uh, I think of it as cold. Uh, I think of them as riding bicycles a lot. Uh, Very white people, like, very pale people. Very tall, I guess. Kind of uh, Viking-related somehow. (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's where my knowledge of Scandinavia ends. Oh, well, that's uh, largely true. Uh, most of the Scandinavian areas were colonized or run by Vikings way back in the day. Um, and uh, the culture is generally very healthy. Very, uh, Finland was just named the happiest country in the world for, I believe, the sixth year running. And before that, I think Denmark had a really good and strong run going and norway usually places up there 
So uh, this is a considered uh, like the people in these countries are extremely happy and the reason I think for that is socialism. But I digress. Mm. Um it's uh uh a country that is characterized by um fjords and and, uh, and uh, nature and um uh, uh putting priority on each other's health and each other's well-being. Um Generally, I kind of really love Scandinavia as, as a region, except for their food. I saw something about that recently. Yeah, they, it's like uh, oftentimes it's all like boiled in a lot of kind of sausage or really un, uh, <laughs> unprocessed meat, you know? Yeah, it's like the opposite sausage. just open-faced anchovy sandwiches and stuff. Like, come on, get it together. Yeah, a lot of- a lot of beige, brown, and wet without being sauced in any particular way. <laughs> yeah, which is fair. I mean, there's it, it's when you live in such a cold, cold region, um, your options for agriculture are somewhat limited. Um, yeah, and and also like when I get really depressed, I find like eating helps, and even like eating like really really flavorful food helps <laughs> like really decadent or spicy or salty things so i mean maybe they're just so happy they just don't need any they don't need any help from food to cheer oh, them up oh they've got you know? the salt they've got the salt something good um that's so. true it's my favorite food salt <laughs> uh so okay so uh what about these songs are you ready to talk about the songs yeah let's please talk about our songs um okay. so let's start with um uh, oh, let's start with Sweden. Um, so sure. we have seen Loreen before. Yeah, and I went back and checked, like, which song was it? So she won in 2012, I think, or 2013. Yep. 2012. 2012. She's from Sweden, of course. Uh, kind of, uh, as we say, kind of the the biggest success story of Eurovision, because Sweden is the um, ABBA country. Yes. Uh, so they're, the they're kind country. of... Generally, they're like the the prestige, like the heavy hitters, you know. Mm-hmm. And Laureen, like her original song, that was the one that we had pretty mixed feelings about because she had the key change in it. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. I had mixed. <laughs> Which you draw about the line? <laughs> this is like I, your. Uh, this is the much of music of for uh, you. <laughs> and it is. You she don't does like so people. Much. Don't like people saying thank you much and don't like when people switch keys in music. I certainly do not. Two pet peeves. This one, uh, this song is called Tattoo. Um, What did you think about this song? Uh, Compared to the other ones I listened to before, I actually thought it was a lot better than the other Mm. uh, two of the other ones I listened to. Uh, I thought the, you know, she's obviously like the performance, the production value of the performance is much higher. I thought it was kind of strange and interesting in a, in a weird way. Um, I, th- I thought like, you know, our finger extensions, is this cheating? Cause I feel like <laughs> if you can't win with the normal length of fingers that you're born with, I don't know. This seems a little bit unfair. You know. Oh man! I mean, that's so uh, reductive for people that need finger extensions. 
I mean, yeah, that's that's they true. Just that's true. Things, if... and they need fingers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fingerest, <laughs> not just finger, <laughs> but fingest. <laughs> that's what um, she's got. Now the music video made me uh, really think of the Mummy. Um, this, <laughs> yeah, I do think that this could be like a new modern theme song for Anksunamun. So hmm. yeah, cool. Yeah, she's yeah. definitely got it, some kind of a creep factor that she's going for. I don't particularly know why. I guess just to stick in your mind. Uh, uh, the other thing I'll say about she uses this phrase. Uh, she says, I'm taking it cool. which is <laughs> I'm not sure what she means by that. I don't think that's a uh, normal collocation, a normal saying that people say. I'm taking it cool. <laughs> I've certainly never heard it. Uh, I've never heard it from a natural English speaker. I could uh, just not be t- talking to enough speech- Swedish people. So, yeah, very po- very possible. I don't know. I, I suppose <laughs> she means something like "I'm playing it cool" or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. But yeah, all in all, not a bad song. I, I think it's fine. How do you feel about it? It's okay. Um, I don't understand why all of the Eurovision chats are uh, and all of the Eurovision stands go so wild over Lorian. Um. She's she's very dramatic. Um, it was a okay song, and I think that it's going to do very well. I just don't enjoy it very much. I think there. I'm assuming there's never been someone who won Eurovision twice, so she would be the first if it happened. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look into that. I think Abba's been a couple of times. Um, you think? Hmm. Yeah. No, I'll look into that. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing. All yeah, right, and next up, let's see. How about Finland? Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I like the uh, kind of thrifty use of loading pallets to make their <laughs> stage there. Yes, very, uh, very, uh, very economical. Uh, yeah. Now this is uh, this artist's name is, and I have never seen so many umlauts in the same name. Kariha. <laughs> Sure. And the Sounds song good is called Cha Cha Cha. Cha Cha Cha, yeah. Uh, which I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what country the Cha 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 is from. Uh, I should think Brazil, maybe Spain. That makes sense. Sure. I believe you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think this song delivers a lot of what we as like casual viewers who just watch Eurovision for the entertainment of it want. Yes. You know, it's really weird and it's uh, high energy and. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice costuming and performance and stuff like this, you know? I wrote down Neon Goth. Yeah, I mean, I think that's basically what he's going for. Almost like a, I don't know, like a rave type thing. He's like really muscly guy wearing a really mm-hmm. bright, but also spiky shirt thing that shows his chest, blah, blah, blah. I, and enticing his dancers to mimic strangling each other, which is weird. And the first That's verse- pretty weird. Again, yeah, just a lot of like where they were clearly intentionally just trying to be as weird as possible, you know. Which I I mean, definitely provocative. The first verse sounded like if you were to close your eyes, it sounds like a Finnish black metal band. Yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> and for the most part, most of that stuff worked for me. Uh, I like the kind of like cha-cha human centipede that they did at one point. That was really strange and kind of like a uh, attention grabbing. he was riding grabbing. on the caboose, for sure. But for some reason, his facial expressions that he would do, again, just to kind of convey to you that he's a real freak kind of guy, 
it, it just really bothered. It just put me off. I don't know. I, I, I guess I just generally don't like facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> These ones were particularly uh, off-putting, hard to look at. I don't know. Did you get like that? I feel like he was making faces that would be very uh, intentionally uncomfortable. And that, that I didn't like. I, I can't explain why, of all the things, that part was not enjoyable to me, but the rest of it was like extreme in an enjoyable way. Mm-hmm. You didn't I, feel that? You didn't feel like the faces were really just ruined at all? Uh, I thought most of it ruined most of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, I did not enjoy this at all. I do not think it has like very much of a shot at all. Um, but it does get like points for me for being in Finnish. It's just that Finnish is such a, an alien sounding language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think this is a song that could win Eurovision, I would assume, you know. Again, one of those songs that's just kind of like, they're trying to make the most attention-grabbing thing for whatever reason. I guess it goes viral a little bit, and it gives that artist some more yeah. clout, you know. Yeah, virality. Okay. Uh, how about uh, Denmark? Uh, this one I really enjoyed, actually. I mean, I wouldn't say uh, like it's a great song, but it, it, I appreciate that it had a really trendy contemporary sound. It, uh, you know, it could be like a La Roy song or something like that, you know, or a Justin Bieber ish a little bit, obviously. Yeah. Now the artist's it, name is Riley, and the song is uh-huh. Breaking My Heart. Yeah, and it's kind of, I guess, for listeners who are not listening along with us it's kind of like a techno pop ish uh again a lot like a bieber or laroy or something along those lines just so like really good looking seems to be very young like i really felt like i was watching the kids bop version of the song yeah yeah he's 25 but he looks like he's (laughs) 12 wild yeah i really thought surely this is a kid yeah extremely gen z as well i felt like the musical arrangement was very very tiktok oriented and and very um uh yeah yeah gen z yeah i mean i guess after that song got so much tiktok play last year maybe some people are trying to gun for that specifically yeah that makes sense Um, but do you you like the song as well interesting song i think it's going to do well um i wouldn't say it's interesting um i think of everything it is interest because it's kind of like the generic like popular song of the day song yeah like lyrically it's there's nothing interesting about it lyrically it's Mm -hmm. just the most generic little love song but like the arrangement it it goes from a musical accompaniment with singing to suddenly i have a robot voice and there is no musical accompaniment in this chorus Mm -hmm. like it's just yeah it's interesting to me and it does sort of make me like it's sort of the direction that I see music heading in, in like the next 10 ish years. Uh, with yeah. that sort of yeah. disjointed feel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it also just goes to show how much we've like accidentally conditioned ourselves through doing this process, this podcast for 30 <laughs> episodes to like this kind of sound, you know? Yeah. A little <laughs> bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I've, I'm fine with the song. I thought it was like one of the better ones that we've mm-hmm. seen so far, actually, even while at the same time, like, 
I, I wouldn't say it's a great song or anything. I, I just think it's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about Iceland? Uh, Iceland, I felt her kind of her stage presence, like her, you know, she seemed very high energy. I liked her outfit and hairstyle that she had chosen. Uh, the song I found really boring. Like, I actually couldn't finish this song because it just Whoa. kept going on. And it's only like three and a half minutes, but it's just so repetitive and there's mm-hmm. not much to it. Uh, so I didn't care for that. And I think the performance, she could really use more stuff there, like some dancers or just something else. I mean, I realize mm-hmm. lots of Eurovision performances are just one person, but I... I don't like those as much. I want to see some kind of set pieces, some kind of like choreographed thing. Yeah, I want to see like the the um, what's the fairy tale guy? Oh, Alexander Ryback. Yeah, I want everything to be Ryback. You know, I, I yeah. want everything to have that level of like we've got ten people creating a representation of what our <laughs> culture is. You know, whatever. Absolutely, I definitely agree with you on that. How can you like? Like, this is a, about cultural exchange. Like, it's very, very difficult to give, like, the world uh, even to even just, to give your country justice with just one artist. Like, to, it's so cool seeing um, people bring in their uh, native cultures and, you know, dancers wearing their traditional uh, Hungarian outfits or or um, s- traditional Swedish um, yodeling. It's really, I love seeing that and it's very difficult to do with one person on stage. That said, this song actually gave me goosebumps. Gave you goosebumps? Why? Yeah. Granted, um, the door was open and it's quite cold out, so that could have contributed. <laughs> but uh, just that sort of very first, um, uh, the very first uh, uh, the power, uh, it just for some reason it, I got uh, covered in goosebumps. It was weird. See, and I thought when I heard that, I thought, is it is it is fake stuttering still okay? Is this problematic yet? <laughs> you know. <laughs> But yeah, I I did get the I I was suspecting as I was listening to it that she's probably a very good singer, you know. Like, I do suspect not that, something yeah. I typically notice, but I just thought, yeah, she's probably this is probably good singing, and she seemed very powerful and yes and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, she would have definitely benefited from having more people with her, and maybe as backup singers, maybe as backup dancers, but just like, um. A more well-rounded performance, I think. And I don't know if the if uh, Eurovision, if the Eurovision performance is going to be different than this one. I hope so. Yeah, it's true. We're kind of judging on just their, I think this is like, generally this is like their, well, some people made a music video, which is what's mm-hmm. coming up whenever you Google it, on YouTube it. Right. And then other people, it seems to be just be their last performance in their national competition, I think. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what uh, this one was, for sure. All right. Saving the worst for last. (laughs) You're kidding me? You hated Norway? That's so bad. It was bad. (laughs) But granted, it was... This is... uh, Do you remember last year was Subwoofer? So this was actually like... Oh, such a step down, yeah. Whole different (laughs) direction, too. 
Yeah, an entirely yeah. different d- direction. There's no wolves, there's no grandmas or bananas. Yeah, this is one song that I wish was not in English just because the <laughs> lyrics were so cringy and dumb, you know? You know what it, it gave for me? Uh, and it helped that everybody on stage was, like, dressed for the occasion. It gave me, like, old-timey bard. You know what I mean? Like, uh, a D&D bard uh, tiling a yeah. in a tavern. I feel that, which is cool, but it's like, I don't know, a little too generic to really be doing that in a way that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I think that there's some unfortunate overlap between, like, fun swords and sorcery, like, D&D stuff and, mm-hmm. like, this kind of Celtic and... uh early medieval times and uh this kind of thing that like power metal musicians oftentimes make their topics where it starts to feel a little like white supremacist <laughs> adjacent that, and i get those vibes here too which i think totally kind of cr- crushes the whole thing for me you know i and yeah. I, that's terrible to like accuse her of that i don't think that's what she's doing here at all but oh no certainly it's, not as an american where you get where you have a celtic festival in your town and you go and it's just a bunch of like you know like uh, middle-aged white people who you're pretty sure are Aryan uh, sympathizers. And usually have the tattoos <laughs> you know? to prove it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this this kind of song, it just, it just, uh, it it doesn't really remind me of other, like, happy things or something. I also, I also worry that this is a backdoor um, kind of reboot of King of Queens, that uh, <laughs> Kevin James show, but, like, gender swapped, which I, I, I do not support that. <laughs> Queen of Kings. <laughs> Very bad show. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, the song is by Alessandra, and the song title is King Queen of Kings. <laughs> Queen of Kings, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, interesting title. Um, a song, very, very generic. It's not even about any particular person. Yeah. It's just a theoretical she. Yeah, and without the video where you see some kind of like sword sword and medieval type stuff, I don't even know if you'd really get that flavor in right. it too much, you know? So, I mean, a really good like live performance, if they really, you know, get creative and do a lot there, it could kind of save it. Uh, but to the song itself, there's really not much to be said for it. <laughs> So, yeah, so of these songs, what, what, which would you say is the, your, in the forefront? Which is your kind of favorite? I think uh, Sweden is going to do the best uh, because uh, Sweden usually does the best and Lorene is extremely popular. I don't know why, uh, <laughs> but all of the like uh, chats and Facebook pages and uh, anybody's like commenting on this is very optimistic about Lorene's chances because they love her. Uh, personally, sure. I would rather see proven uh, winner. Uh, yeah, she's a proven winner. Um, personally, I would rather see Iceland with Delia. How about you? Uh, that's okay. I, I wouldn't mind it. I, I do. Again, I feel it's a very Eurovision. This song mm-hmm. is just kind of an earnest, you know, uh, power pop song with a uh, someone who's clearly very good at singing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind it. Uh, as far as favorite songs, 
I think probably the uh, the Denmark guy the the like uh, he he's what's that movie the orphan he's like the orphaning us where he's like <laughs> appears to be a little child but he's not uh, he's just a I, little baby i think it was the best of these ones i mm. liked it the most i did like the lorene song pretty well mm. it was okay um i was impressed that these... alessandra hit the spjork note <laughs> yeah it turns out to be not so rare as certain documentaries <laughs> <laughs> would lead us to believe um, and, and and then again i'm kind of comparing this uh to that movie um saga of fire no story of fire saga, fire saga. yeah you're story of fire saga uh i don't know i i think about that a lot because it's like on the one hand it's kind of showing us what americans tend to associate with eurovision which i don't think is like really the full picture it's like we just think they're all like goofy crazy dumb songs mm-hmm. you know whereas a lot of people are sending something that's like a a real effort which is a pretty serious song and so on some you know? earnestness yeah yeah uh any do you have any idea like are is one of these songs your favorite of all do you think you like iceland more than any song we've heard so far uh, no, no. Uh, I usually really enjoy Iceland's uh, performances. Um, Iceland is one of my favorite countries to show, but uh, I don't, I, I don't, def- I definitely don't see it doing as well as, say, Spain. Any idea what is your favorite song of the ones we've of you that you've listened to? You have all time. I'm gonna have to go through and listen to them all, which is gonna take a lot of uh, still not ready to make energy because that's a public decision. Yeah, I see. Uh, It's easy for me. I still I still like Albania the most. (laughs) This crazy, this crazy dark divorce song where she's like yelling at the floor. Yeah, it's. (laughs) <laughs> what, what's better than that i think it has a real chance of winning the whole thing honestly <laughs> hey russ right. you know how you remember which uh countries are in scandinavia uh no i wish you would tell me you just have to remember that they are the countries that print like qr codes on the sides of their boats so they can scandinavian uh <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. Jeez. <laughs> if only it were always so simple. I wonder what the Baltics do. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for us. Uh, find us on Twitter at, at Down and Wordy for, for a limited time, I think. Things at Twitter just keep getting weirder and weirder. Uh, yeah. You can find us on Facebook, though, as if Facebook were any better than Twitter, but we're there as well. Uh, just search <laughs> Getting Down and Wordy on Facebook. Uh, our Podmoth, our podcast network is podmoth.network. You can find them online and find lots of other great podcasts there yeah. as well. If you're not in the mood for etymology, then listen to uh, all, uh, all About Bones. Yeah, yeah. You want to hear about bones. You want to hear about some people getting murdered. They got those. Oh, in... there's so many murder. <laughs> there's so numbers. many good murder ones. You want to hear about... Uh... Actors who have mustaches, you've got the Mustachio Podcastio, quite good. (laughs) (laughs) And new ones, honestly, at this point, new ones are getting added all the time. So uh, go check just to see what's available. If you've looked before, look again. Definitely. And you can tell them that we made you look. (laughs) 
<laughs> ah, again, makes it sound like you're going to get there and be like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, I was tricked once more. There's no mustachio <laughs> podcastio. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.